0: To those of you who are over at the sign-up table, signing up, getting ready for the fall festival, excited to see that. That feels really cool. Today I want to start what I believe is the most important message series of the entire year for this church. Uh, this is a series I, we did last year. We did a shorter version of it. This year I want to go through, I want to do it and take a little bit more time. I want to take four weeks to do this. And this is a series I'd like to be able to do every year for the rest of my life. Uh, I believe it's that important. I really believe, you know, there's some messages that we, you tend to do every year. Obviously, you do an Easter message, which is very similar every year because you're talking about the same event. A Christmas message that you do every year because you're talking about the same event. But I really believe that what I'm going to do with you today is absolutely essential. In fact, you know, the other day I had a, a younger pastor ask me if, uh, if I could go back Uh, to when I was his age uh, and and do things differently, what would I do differently? Well, this is one of the things I would do differently. I would do this series we're kicking off today, and I would do it every year, every year until, uh, until, you know, Jesus takes me home or you run me out of town or whatever. I don't know. (laughs) So um, I want to tell you about some friends of mine if I can. I want to tell you about some friends of mine. Their names are Fred and Wilma. Do you know Fred? Do you know Wilma? Yeah. Okay. That's not really their names, but we're just going to pretend like that's their names. I want to tell you about some other friends too. In a moment, their names are Barty and Betty. Uh, that's not really their names, but we're going to we'll just say that that's their name. So let me tell you a little bit about Fred and Wilma. Uh, Fred and Wilma, they're good people. They're good people. They uh, they root for all the Bay Area teams: football, baseball, all that, basketball, all that kind of good stuff. Uh, they love. Uh, they love to spend their weekends going out, doing stuff. You know, they love being outdoors. They like mountain biking. They like hiking. They like camping. They like being in the mountains. They like being at the beach. They, they're they just normal people that you run into in everyday life. They're just normal people, okay? And uh, But let me tell you a little bit about more about Fred and Wilma. Fred and Wilma, they believe in God. If you were to ask them, do you believe in God, they'd say, oh, yeah, yeah, I believe in God. But they would believe in God, and maybe in terms that were a little bit more generalized than you and me. And uh, they've never really gone to church. They're not against church; it's just never been quite their thing. So they've never really gone to church. And uh, but some of the people, uh, some of the people that, uh, that that they are friends with. In fact, they are friends with some of you here. They're friends with some of you here in this church. And they are friends with some other people who are Christians and who are followers of Jesus. And this is what's happening in Fred's life. And this is what's happening in Wilma's life because of their friendship with you. Because of their friendship with you and because of the way they see the way you live in your daily life, they have in them a curiosity. They have in them this curiosity. They're, they're kind of interested to know more about the God you believe in. Now, they're not real comfortable bringing that conversation up and talking to you about it. They don't really want you to invite them to church. They don't. They don't because they're afraid of meeting a lot of weird people. And I would just simply say that Jesus died for weird people too. Okay? I'm one of them. All right? Uh, but, but you know, they're not really interested in being invited to church, but they would love to come to your home for dinner. They would. If you asked them, they would they would say, Oh, yeah, we'd love to get together. They would just love to spend time with you in an unrushed, unhurried way, not where you're making them some kind of, I don't know, project, but just where you're loving on them, being friends with them. And, and, but something in Fred and Wilma is that they're not really super interested in going to church, but they are interested in knowing more about God because of the way they see many of you living and their other Christian friends. And I have a question for us. I have a question for us to think about, okay? This is just for you to think. It's not for you to stand up and answer. I'm going to do that, all right? But I want you to think about it. How can we live in a way that people like Fred and Wilma will want to know more about God? You understand that question? How can we live in a way that people like Fred and Wilma will want to know more about God? And this is what I want to tell you is, God can use you in a very profound way in Fred and Wilma's life in a way much bigger than you think. God can work through you in a very, very special way. I'll get more to that in a second. Let's talk a little bit about Barney and Betty. Barney and Betty, they're real, real good friends with Fred and Wilma. In fact, they're two little kids who love to hang out with each other and play. Yeah, Barney and Betty, they never really went to church either. But what's happened in Barney's life and what's happened in Betty's life is because of their friendship with you and with other Christians in our community, that what's happened is they have crossed the line of faith. They have come to over a period of months and years, they've come to this place where they said, you know what? I want the Jesus that they have. I want the God they have. I want the salvation they have. And they are brand new followers of Jesus. Now, I want to ask you a different question concerning Barney and Betty. What can we do? How can we invest in people like Barney and Betty that they begin to progress in their walk with Jesus so that they become full-time followers of Jesus so that they become mature in Christ? You understand that question? This is what we're going to do. This week and next week, we're going to talk about, and I want to train you in two very, very simple skills. Simple, easy skills that you can do. That will, that, 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 if you will do this, and you will do this in the power of the Holy Spirit, God can and will work through you. And then what I'm going to do is on September the 23rd and September the 30th, I'm going to talk with you about two skills, two very simple skills, two very simple things you can do with someone like Barney and Betty. To help them begin to really get off to a great start of following Jesus. In Matthew chapter 28, Jesus says this. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus says, all authority. Now, you, I don't know if you know how big heaven is. I don't know if you know how big the universe is. But it is big. It is huge. It is huge. The scientific term is ginormous. There, just taught you a little science today. Our universe is ginormous in in this earth and in all authority in this entire universe and beyond has been given to Jesus. Now, when someone has that kind of authority and they speak to you as an individual, what do you do? You listen, don't you? You listen. And what Jesus says, he says this, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go. Go. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age this is what I want to say to you before we dig into this message. Is that God wants you to be a disciple maker. He does. God wants you to make disciples. He wants to work in and through you so that you are actually leading people to Christ and leading people to maturity in Christ. That's what God wants to do. Now, some of you, you're, you're saying right now, You're saying it, and I can see it. I see that. You know the little bubbles that appear over people's heads when they're talking in the newspaper? I see that right now. And and a couple of you, well, actually, I see more than a couple. I see five or maybe like a dozen. I see them, and you know what those bubbles are saying? I could never lead a person to Christ. I could never do that. There's no way, no way, no cotton-picking way I could ever lead a person to Christ. And I can see that bubble. I see it. And in that bubble, I see what it says. There is absolutely no way, no way I could ever begin to lead a person to maturity in Christ. I see that bubble over your head. And this is what I want to say to you, okay, bubble people. This is what I want to say to you. Those who are telling yourself, there is no way I could ever lead a person to Christ. There is no way I could ever lead a person to maturity in Christ. This is what I want to tell you today. And if you don't hear anything else but you hear this, I want you to hear this. God told me to tell you something. God told me that you need to quit telling yourself what you can't do. That's what God told me. He told me that this morning. He said, Gary, I want you to tell those people to tell them to quit telling themselves what they cannot do. And they need to start telling themselves what God can do. They need to quit telling themselves what they can't do. And they need to start telling themselves, you need to preach this sermon to yourself every day. You need to quit telling yourself what you can't do. And you need to start telling yourself what God can do. And what God can do through you. That's what you need to do. If you don't get anything else from today, but you get that, you got a lot. God wants you to make disciples. And guess what? In Jesus, we're going to do that. God wants you to actually lead people to Christ. He wants you actually to lead people to maturity. And he wants to work through to you to accomplish his purpose. Over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about these four simple skills I told you about. And, um... And this week and next week, we want to talk about what is it, how can we become effective witnesses, powerful witnesses for Christ? In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus says this. He says, but you will receive power. You know what power is? You know what the word is here for power in Greek? Any Greek scholars here today? Dunamis, that's right. Way to go. Way to go, Sharon. Greek scholar. Greek scholar. Yeah, yeah, the word there for power is dunamis. It's where we get the word dynamite from. Or maybe a better word is dynamo. See, God wants you to be a dynamo of his power. A dynamo of his power is a witness for Jesus. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. You're going to be a witness. You know why? Because it doesn't depend upon you and your power. It's because it depends upon God and His power. When you begin to tell yourself the truth instead of telling yourself a lie, when you tell yourself the truth instead of telling yourself a lie, I can't do that, and start telling yourself, but God can. And God can do it through me. And the Holy Spirit that God gave me when I became a follower of Jesus is working in me to make me a dynamo. A dynamic witness for Jesus. So let's talk about three things we can do to be dynamic, powerful witnesses for Christ. First thing is this. First thing is this. Is how can we become powerful witnesses for Christ in the lives of people like Fred and Woman? Number one, be a witness to your works. Be a witness to your works. Why is that so important? Because deeds speak louder than words, Right? Don't deeds speak power more, uh, more loud? or How do you say that? Actions speak, actions speak louder than words. There we go. I knew it was there somewhere. I needed a little help, all right? Uh, be a witness to your words. Jesus says this. He says, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may what? That they may see your good deeds, your actions, and glorify your Father in heaven. People like Fred and Wilma, they're not really interested in listening to your sermons, They're especially not interested in listening to my sermons. But what they want to see is they want to see a difference in your life and my life that can only be explained by Jesus. They're not looking for sinless perfection. They're just looking for a really good reason of why they might want to follow Jesus too. I want to tell you a story, kind of a negative story, but I want to make a point with this. And I felt I was really not sure if I should share this, but I kind of feel like it's something I'm supposed to tell you to make a point. To make a point. And then I want to try to flip it and get on the positive side real quick if I can do that, okay? So give me a little grace if I don't get this done perfectly. My daughter Cass, my oldest daughter Cass, uh, is a server for Mary's Pizza over in Backville. A few of you have gone to Mary's Pizza, and whenever she's your server, you tip her very, very well. And I want to tell you thank you. I want to tell you thank you. But what I'd like you to consider doing is I'd like you to consider that maybe you should tip every server exactly like that. Let me explain to you why. Can I do this? This is a real story. My daughter shared this story with me on Friday, and I asked her if I could share it with you guys. A while back, she was at Mary's, and she was serving a group of people, church people, from a church in Vacaville. And these people were leaders in that church. And uh, what they did is, you know, customarily, you leave a tip of how much? What's the customary tip? 15%. That's your, that's the customary tip. Some of us, we tip a little bit more than that. I, I want to say thank you, okay? Especially if you pray before your meal. You should always tip more than that. The, the customary tip is 15%. What they did was they ran up a bill of $250.00. And they tipped her $8. You know what that is? 3%. 3%. In fact, is it, is it 3%? Is it, it's not much. 3%. And then guess what they did? They invited her to their church. <laughs> now, folks, this is what Cass told me. She said, you know, I'm just glad they did it with me. And not one of my non-Christian friends. Because when you do that to a server. You know what it feels like? It feels like disrespect. It feels like disrespect. And if you disrespect people. And then invite them to church. You're not building bridges for the gospel. If anything you're burning bridges. Folks actions speak louder than words. We have to be. Witnesses with our works. So, what does that look like? How can we be witnesses through our our works? And I'm going to tell you that a lot of you, you're already doing this. You're doing a great job of it. A lot of you, you, you took a couple of days off this last year from from took a little bit of vacation time. You took time to work with us out in the community. We did we did week of hope. We went out there. We washed people's cars for them. We served people. We went out. We helped people through the leaven. We went out. We cleaned. Along the street, we cleaned over uh, in, in the park at Mankus Park. We were out serving our community and loving the people that Jesus loved and loves. And, how, and as we did that, we were inviting people to a Celebration of Hope barbecue and concert. See, you were letting your life shine before people in such a way that may see your good works and glorify not you, but your God. Folks, when we all work together, when every one of us says yes to one part of something like, like the Fall Festival, when every one of us does one part, when we all go out, we set up a, I'm going to set my car out here for Truck or Treat, and I'm going to put together a really fun game. You know, or, or maybe I'm going to help with the face painting. No, I don't want to do that. Um, the kids don't, moms and dads don't, moms especially don't want me to do that, Okay. Uh, but, you know, if I help with the food, there we go, the food. I'll help with the food. That way I get to eat. Um, but, you know, when we all get involved together and we're serving people in our community who don't know Jesus and we're loving on them and we're building bridges of respect and trust, then we're being light. God wants us to be witnesses through our work. Secondly, God wants us to be witnesses through our words. Be a witness with your words. In Colossians 4, 5, and 6, the Bible says, conduct yourselves, talk about that, taking action, doing good. Conduct yourselves, how? With wisdom toward who? Outsiders, people who don't yet know Jesus. Conduct yourself with wisdom toward outsiders, Chris. We talked about this this morning. Conduct yourself with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Let your speech, let your speech always be with grace. I'm sorry. Sometimes I accidentally uh, mispronounce this. Sometimes I mispronounce grace and say, let your speech always be with sarcasm. Um, I, I can be a little sarcastic sometimes. But the Bible says, let your speech always be with grace as though seasoned with salt so that you'll know how you should respond to each person. is that God wants us to be witnesses through our words. Now, you know, we've all seen the football player or the baseball player or whatever, the basketball player at the end of the game, and and, and they asked him, well, tell us how you won that game tonight. And, And they'll say something like, well, I just want to thank God, blah, 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 blah. You know, and these guys are doing their best to try to be a witness for God in their words, and I think that's a good thing. But a lot of times being a witness for God with your words, sometimes the best thing you can say is absolutely nothing. And just listening to another person, or sometimes it can look like this. as is last Friday, Joy and I were not this past Friday, but the Friday before, we had gone over to Napa. We were uh, having lunch there, and then after that, we'd gone over to Kohl's. And Joy was shopping, and I was sitting in one of their chairs, to, you know, just checking it out, see how comfortable it was for a while, a long time. And so, uh, and as we were leaving, as we were leaving, there's this gal. She's up there. She's she's uh, She's, she's scrubbing, washing the windows, working really, really hard. It's the kind of job that, that for many of us, people like me, is invisible. I don't see it. You know, it's, like, it's so easy for you to walk by and not even think about the job that she's doing. And, um, and Joy stopped and she said to this woman, wow, you're doing a great job. Uh, that's all she did. She wasn't trying to be a witness for God by her words, but she was. And that woman, she just radiated when she heard those words. That that woman, a woman who perhaps doesn't get a lot of affirmation in life, maybe she doesn't get a lot of affirmation from her husband or her boyfriend, maybe she doesn't get a lot of affirmation from her kids, maybe she doesn't get a lot of affirmation from her boss, but she got words of affirmation from a person she had never met before. Folks, when we are gracious with our words, when we are kind with our words, with people who don't know Jesus, that speaks volumes. Let me tell you, when you do that, people are going to listen to you way more than they're going to listen to a sermon from someone like me. Because people need, they need to see grace in, how we, how we are in, in our works, and they need to hear grace in our words. Third thing, third thing that we can do to be powerful witnesses for Christ is be a witness who's ready to share your hope story, your testimony. Be a witness who's ready to share your hope story, your testimony. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, the Bible says, But in your hearts, revere, that means to honor, okay? In your hearts, revere, honor, respect Christ as Lord. And this says this, and underline these words, Always be prepared. Okay? Be a Boy Scout. Okay? Always be prepared. What? To give an answer. To give a sermon? No. To give an answer. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. God wants you to be ready to share with other people for the reason for your hope. Um, God doesn't say you need to be ready to preach a sermon. God doesn't say you have to be ready to prove that there's a God. God doesn't say you have to be ready to answer every difficult question people may have about God, life, or the Bible. But we do need to be ready to give an answer to every, uh, to, to, for the reason for our hope. When you, this is what I want you to understand. When you are consistently being a witness for Christ by your works, when you are consistently being a witness for Christ by your words, this is what's going to happen. Someone's going to begin to ask you, What's this about? Why are you different from the way I experience life through so many other people? Now, I want to go back to something that I said earlier today. Remember how I said to you, some of you, I can see the bubble over your head. I can see the bubble over your head. And in that bubble, I can read those words. They're loud and clear. I could never. I could never, never lead another person to Christ. I could never, never lead another person to maturity. This is what I want to tell you this morning. Today, one of you heard that message. One of you heard that message, you heard that message, and you didn't just hear it, you internalized it. And today you are fearful and you are terrified, but you are you, you feel fearful, fearful and terrified, but you're not afraid to face your fears. And you're going to do it afraid. And some of you are going to write out your testimony, you're going to do this, and this is what's going to happen. Someone at work, last year, Chriselle, I asked you to write out your testimony, what happened? Some, last year, she wrote out her testimony. And someone from work wrote out her testimony. Actually, I think they you, it was the day before you wrote out your testimony. The day the day before, when she was thinking about writing out her testimony, someone asked her. Asked her. What I'm telling you is this, is that when you are, I'm sorry, did I put you on the spot? Oh, it was after, okay. So, so, but, but you know, what's cool is when we are responding to what God wants us to do, God gives us opportunities. And there are some of you here today, and you have been telling yourself for a long time what you can't do, instead of telling yourself what God can do, and some of you, this year, you're going to lead people to Christ. I believe that. You know why I believe that? Because it's not about you. It's about God. It's not about your power. It's about His power. It's about His Holy Spirit power that He is working in you to make you a powerful witness for Him. I I believe that. I believe that God's going to do that. So let's talk about how do you prepare a testimony. Now I know some of you, you did this last year. Some of you, you heard this and you still haven't written out your testimony. I love you, I love you. Now's your opportunity to do, to do well. Okay. Um, let's talk about let's talk about two kinds of testimonies. Two kinds of testimonies. Okay. One kind of testimony is a conversion testimony, a conversion hope story. What's a conversion hope story? What's a conversion testimony? Basically, it's just a story of how you were converted. It's a story that you write out in, let's say, 100 words, in which you you, you answer three questions. Number one, what was your life like before you became a Christian? Okay. Well, let's see. I became a Christian when I was five years old. I was a hell's angel and, no, a mobster. Okay. What was your life like before you became a Christian? When and how did you become a Christian? And then how is your salvation making a difference in your life today? If you can answer those three questions for a person, you are ready, you are ready to, to share with them the reason for your help. Now, some of you, and I've heard this from people. By the way, a great example of a conversion testimony, if you want to see one, is in Acts chapter 26. You can read it. Uh, it's, uh, it's, a, it's Paul, the Apostle Paul. And he's appearing before a guy named Agrippa. And he's given the opportunity to tell his story before Agrippa. And what does Paul do? Is he, he talks about his life, and he talks about it in three parts. He talks about his life, and he talks about it in three parts. And he says, this is what my life was like before I met Jesus. I was a Pharisee. I was very, very religious. In fact, I was more religious than my contemporaries. I was extremely religious. In fact, I was so religious that anybody who didn't believe in my religion the way I believed in my religion, I would have those people arrested, put in jail, and when it came opportunity, I voted for them to be executed. That's what Paul did. By the way, if God can work through anybody, if God can work through Paul, he can work through anybody. And he tells a story about how he met Jesus when he was on his way to Damascus to, to, uh, to imprison Christians. And then he talks about his life after he became a Christian. He went from being a persecutor of the church to being one who proclaimed the gospel. Uh, he does it all in 582 words. I know some of you, you get upset when I tell you to write out your testimony in 100 words. When you are an apostle like Paul, then you can write it out in 582 words, okay? Um, You know, if you read Paul's testimony, just read it in normal rate of speech, it takes about three uh, three hours. (laughs) It takes me three hours, okay, (laughs) because I add to the words. It takes about three minutes and 15 seconds, three minutes and 15 seconds. It's really pretty short, and that's what you want your testimony to be is short, okay? Um, so, and it talks about before, your, before Christ, how you met Christ, and then after. I want to talk to you. See, every once in a while, I'll have someone tell me, well, Gary, I don't have a testimony. I became a Christian when I was a little kid. It's not my, like my life was radically changed. I want to tell you about a certain kind of testimony. It's called a testing testimony, a testing hope story. And what that testimony does, is it answers four questions. Number one, what was your life like before your faith was tested? are when your faith became real for you. And for some of us, we became Christians when we were really young, but later our faith became more real for us. So what was your life like before your faith was tested? How was your faith tested? And then how did you respond to the test? And how did you see God show up in your test? And then fourthly, how was your life different as a result of the test? Let me give you an example of this, and I apologize because it's not in 100 words. Um, It was about 800 words, and I condensed it down, and finally I got it to 300, all right? Um, 2015 was a very, very good year for me. It was a great year. Uh, I was happily married to a woman I love. I had three fantastic kids who were doing really well in every area of their lives. Uh, I was serving here as a pastor at a church that I loved. I had a hobby I loved, cycling. And I got to go on one of those uh, bucket list trips to Israel because of your generosity to spend time there with a friend of mine who's one of my mentors. It was a great year. 2016 was one of the most difficult years of my life. In 2016, I went through three great tests or challenges that almost extinguished my faith. Um, We had two major health challenges with both uh, joy and with faith. Uh, And then uh, then after all of that, we had a a lot of debt, medical debt, Uh, the kind of debt that just left me sucking air. I felt like I was dying. I didn't know how I was going to pay off the debt, and I didn't know how um, I could keep my two older kids in college. I just didn't know how. And what happened for me and what happened for us in that year that, that I went through three different tests, but each time what we did is we cried out to God. That's what we did. We just cried out to God because we couldn't handle it on our own. By the way, whenever someone tells you God never gives you more than you can handle, that is a total misquoting of Scripture. The Bible says God will not tempt you, will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can handle. God routinely takes us through more than we can handle because that forces us to put our trust in Him instead of ourselves. In my... First test, with Joy, she had a huge tumor. The doctors didn't know uh, where it came from. They didn't know how to treat it. And what we did is we cried out to God. The doctors didn't know how to treat it. But you know what God did? He healed my wife. He healed my wife in ways the doctors, they didn't understand it. For them, it was just a mystery. Uh, with, with Faithy, it was a little bit different. She went into the hospital. She was in the hospital for 10 days because of a low heart rate due to an eating disorder. And once again, we cried out to God. We cried out to God. And this time, God healed faith. But he healed faith through a combination of the work of some fantastic medical professionals, through the support of you guys as our church, uh, and then through uh, faith's diligence in her recovery plan. But God healed her. Then uh, later that year, it was August. The, the debt for me was just, I mean, this was not irresponsible debt. This wasn't like I'd been out gambling. It wasn't like I'd been running up credit card. It wasn't like that. I mean, we were pretty careful about how we handle our money. It was just the kind of debt that comes when you have two major medical emergencies that completely maxes out your whole medical plan, and that's what happened for us. Uh, and I remember it was a Tuesday in August, and I remember just, I just, just trying to get through another day and another week, I just felt like I couldn't do it anymore. I just felt like I was at a breaking point. And I lay on my face before God. And I cried out and I said, "Um, God, I need your help. And on Thursday, that was Tuesday, on Thursday, Caleb got an email. And in that email, he got $5,000 for college. And on Monday... We called Kaiser and they told us that they were forgiving all of our debt and they were going to send us a check for some of the money that we had paid. This is what I learned in my experience. This is what I learned. I learned that when my faith is stretched to the breaking point, God remains faithful. You understand that? When my faith is stretched to the, the breaking point, God remains faithful. Today, just really honest with you guys, I've I just I, I, I got to tell you the truth. Uh, sometimes I still struggle with trusting God. I do. But this is what I know, is that even when my faith fails me, God remains faithful. Now, I think that was a little bit more than 300 words. I apologize. But what I wanted to share with you is that for some of you, maybe your conversion testimony isn't the best way for you to do this. Maybe it's a testing testimony. Inside of your bulletin, you have two resources one is a Bible study that will help you study about being a witness for Christ, and one is a worksheet on how to write your testimony. Also want to let you know, tonight at 6 o'clock, right here, 6 o'clock, right? Your Bible study? Okay. Tonight, right here, 6 o'clock, actually back in this back room, Sharon and her Bible study, they're going to be working on uh, how to to write out your testimony and to share that with another person. Tomorrow night, in Joy's Bible study, at 7 o'clock in our home, she's going to be doing that with a group of women. And gentlemen... Uh, On Thursday evening at 6 o'clock, I'm going to be starting a new Bible study. It meets for four weeks, four weeks only. It's for this series. And each week, I'm going to help you develop the skill that we talk about on Sunday morning. So this Thursday night at 6 o'clock, I'm going to help you write your testimony. Okay? We're going to help each other. We can put it that way. It's not going to be me, but it's going to be us. And we're going to write that out, and we're going to work that out together. This is what I want you to think about. Who is the Fred and Wilma in your life? This is what I want you to think about. Who is the person that you just can't stand the thought of going to heaven without Who is that person? Is it a friend? Is it a family member? Who is that person? And let me ask you, what are you prepared to do? to equip yourself to be used by God to lead your friend to Christ. I'm not asking you to preach at them. I'm just asking you to be ready to share your hope story. And folks, if that person means something to you, then take the time it takes to prepare your testimony, to maybe plug into one of these groups. If one of those groups doesn't work for you, then take the little Bible study I put in the bulletin for you. I didn't put it in there. Actually, uh, Sandy and Sharon put it in there. But get a friend to go through that with you and work on your testimony together. But do it for the sake of your friend. In Matthew 28, Jesus said, All authority in the heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Jesus wants us to be disciple-makers you got to quit telling yourself what you can't do, and you need to start telling yourself what God can do and what God can do through you. God wants us to be disciple-makers. He wants us to lead people to Christ, and he wants us to lead people to maturity, and he wants to work through you to accomplish his purpose. Let's pray. God, today, uh, we, again, we just want to express our gratitude for how you have saved us. We thank you, God, for this love that is just so crazy. And it is so overwhelming, this love that you have for us. And, God, it's the same love you have for the the Freds and the Wilmas in our life, the people that we love that we don't want to go to heaven without them. Lord, help us to learn how to be able to be powerful witnesses for Jesus through the power of your Holy Spirit. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen.